says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to an instant reaction edition of the tip sheet. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me, as always, as always, is my mate, 60s, 60s, we finally broke the duck. It's it's not quite a ding-dong, the witch is dead moment, but I'll tell you what, after last month of football, you take any win in any shape or form, and that's what we got tonight. Mate, i forgotten exactly what a win feels like you can almost tell i'm lost for words that there's a victory that's just happened but i'm going to take a win in any way shape or form tonight i'm going to enjoy it there are some aspects of course that we need to dissect a few positives a few negatives but as usual we'll tackle it as i think in an honest the honest way that we usually do, but maybe just with that tinge of glass half full tonight. I think I think we've all earned a, a little bit of a glass half full right now, um, especially given what's coming up ahead of us with a, a very strong finish to the season in the Melbourne Storm in the Penrith Panthers. But for now, the Parramatta Eels 32, defeating the North Queensland Cowboys 16 at Seabus Super Stadium in the primetime slot on Saturday night. Uh, for the Cowboys, it was Helam Luki, uh, Latia Mosodreki, and Jake Granville scoring. With Valentine Holmes going two from three off the kicking tee. For the Eels, Wanga Blake started the show in the sixth minute, followed by Will Penasini getting his maiden NRL try. Sean Lane, Will Smith, Quinton Gulferson, and Dylan Brown finally closing off the game in the 75th minute and uh, cutting off uh, something of a, wasn't quite a comeback, but some uh, late minute troubles from the Cowboys there as they got a little bit of confidence in themselves. Gulferson uh, missing his first two kicks, but then being perfect for the next four, going four from six overall. In terms of the team stats, even split of possession, 50-50, and an even split of time and possession, 27-14 apiece. How often do you see that? That is a cool little uh, like a little tidbit to come out of this one. So perfectly split possession and time of possession. Uh, completion rates, 70% for the Eels, 33-47. 75% for the Cowboys, 30-40. So Parramatta a little bit down on the benchmarks they have there. Uh, Cowboys with more runs, but the Eels are heading in run meters, post-contact, line breaks, tackle breaks. Uh, but slightly behind on average set distance, so uh, a fairly even split in terms of those numbers there too. Neither team really having a huge amount of ascendancy. Eels with about 100 more post-contact metres though, which is probably the biggest uh, divide between all those stats. And the Eels are the fastest play to ball speed today. So yeah, it uh, shows you... So, uh, hang on, hang on. Yeah. What was that? 3.23 seconds versus 3.4 seconds. So the Eels uh, ever so slightly ahead there, 0.17, uh, 0.17 of a second in it, but you know they've won a game with the faster play to ball speed. So maybe that was the uh, the real secret source that we needed all along. Uh, in terms of kick defusals, both teams were okay. Fifty seven percent Parramatta, sixty four percent for the Cowboys. Uh, but that probably is impacted by some of the kicks both teams put in. Um, managed to find the carpet a few times. Uh, neither team defended particularly amazing. Eighty seven point eight percent effective tackle rate for the blue and gold. Eighty five point nine percent for the Cowboys. Uh, with the Cowboys leading in missed tackles, but having less ineffective tackles. So I suppose it's better to lead in uh, in the ineffective tackles rather than missed tackles. So with the Paramount only making 24... Uh, I, the- I, will be, I will be talking about those ineffectives, however. Mate, yeah, that's, there, there, uh, there, was, that is there were some offloads and, and whatnot yeah, that were slipped by the Cowboys on the back of some pretty weak contact. 
Um, in terms of the individual players, uh, Hayes Dunster topping the meterage at 181 off 17 carries. It was a pretty tidy night for Hayes in the office there. Um, he did have a late error, which is probably equally responsible from Quinton Gufferson trying to shove the ball out at his ankles. Uh, but I thought he did okay. Wonga Blake, uh, 136 metres off 17 runs, which isn't impressive in and of itself, but you have to keep in mind that he did shift from centre to wing uh, midway through that game when Mike Asiba picked up that MCL injury. But the more impressive part of his game there was uh, game-high 11 tackle breaks. So he was a very high-energy, high-impact there. And as we mentioned, he scored the first try of the game. Uh, outside of the backs there, wasn't a great day for forwards, actually. No real dominant meter eaters in the pack. Junior Paulo getting over 100, just 103 meters off 10 carries. Murata, 110 meters off 11 carries. Uh, Nathan Brown falling shy. Will Smith falling shy, 95 meters. Brown, 96 meters. And off the bench, Big Makahesi Makatoa, 13 carries, 107 meters. So he was he brought plenty of uh, energy off the bench, I thought, for the second game in a row. Yeah, interesting. That yeah, no, no 43, real 43 post-contact, too. Yeah, 43 post-contact, good call. Um, but yeah, interesting. No real, despite the fact that it felt like the Eels were vastly in control of that game, none of the forwards really had a dominant showing. Um, and the stats aren't, you know, Mitch Moses, 86 metres running is nice. A lot of that done for that try he set up for Will Penasini. But uh, Mitch having a fantastic game outside of that. He had a line break, the one just aforementioned, two line break assists, three try assists, uh, just the one tackle bust. So good to see him there. And Dylan Brown, who uh, had a couple of nice involvements early on and then had that try at the end. So the numbers aren't incredible for him either, but it was a case of, you know, just getting something out of this for these guys, right? And and for Mitchell, obviously his best game since breaking his back in origin. Um, but for a lot of these guys, uh, really strong showings. Well, not necessarily really strong, but at least somewhat positive showings. Okay, well, I've got the positives that I'm going to take out of it um, actually relate to some individual performances. So, first of all, I'll start... <coughs> Sorry about that. I'll start with Clint Gutherson. So, Gutho, my major complaint about his form over the last month or so has been his lack of involvement around the middle of the field, around the ruck. And up till... I suppose up till tonight, where we were seeing his, his play was primarily out wide with the uh, sweep block plays and also his kick returns. Tonight, I thought he was lurking around the ruck a lot more. He was imposing himself with a few runs out of dummy half, uh, just backing up, looking to be part of the action around where the ball is. And that's really the strength of his game. So first of all, a positive in terms of Clint Gutherson's performance and maybe a stepping stone to a little bit better going forward. Next person I want to highlight is Mitch Moses. Now, you spoke about his form uh, just a moment ago with uh, and his contribution to the game. He gets my three points for the man of the match tonight. And I think, really, the game was won on the back of his work in in not only just the um, his kicking game, but we saw what he was able to contribute with that uh, the the long break that he made for the Eels' second well, the, try. The Quentin Gufferson try was directly related to his little uh, short side play with the cutout pass to Hayes Dunster, who then kicked for Gufferson. And then there was yeah. a control to pin the Cowboys in their own in goals a number of times, which is something that's been very rare for the Eels uh, for a number of weeks, even beyond the downward stretch of form. 
prior to that, we hadn't been able to trap teams effectively inside their end goals for repeat sets. So it was nice to see that come back. Now, of course, the critics are going to say, well, of course, Mitch Moses had a big game tonight because it was against a uh, an opponent an opponent who is not travelling well. I'll simply say that what we needed tonight was for Mitch Moses to play well. He played well, so I don't know that there's too much more that could be asked of him in that regard. Next person that I want to mention is Joey Lussick. I was actually pleased to see tonight, and we spoke about this in the preview, that he took some darts from dummy half asking questions Mm -hmm. when the defence was backpedalling. We also saw the instance where uh, on the try that Gutherson scored off Hayes Dunster's second kick, what you could see there was he he took the ball. He took the Not only did he, um, and obviously there was a call from Mitch Moses as well to go to the blind side, but he took them forward out of dummy half down the blind side so that Mitch Moses was running alongside of him when he took the pass. And that is critical. I think it's absolutely vital that the dummy half moves forward with some of their play. So it's not just snapping the ball from the ground, from dummy half, out to a wide pass, or or just shoveling it to a forward who's who's running up uh, up off a, uh, a dummy half that's not moving forward at all. So I liked seeing that tonight. And uh, finally, Dylan Brown. And what I was impressed with there was that there was a lot more energy about his performance tonight. Mm -hmm. And while it still doesn't enter into the stellar category in terms of uh, performance, it was still a high-energy contribution from him. And what do you know? I've just named the spine. And rather than the Eagles win coming off on the back of forwards uh, being dominant what we actually saw was the spine laying the platform for the win. So that's my main positive to take out of it. Uh, Obviously, we're going to be talking about some things that we didn't like about the performance, but that's where I saw the game won tonight. Uh, What about you, mate? Any any, uh, positives that you'd like to take? Mitchell Moses, the huge positive, obviously. I think in general, the spine performed well. I thought it was a mixed bag for Quint Gufferson. I thought the involvement was better. He was probing with his runs a lot more, which was good to see. Uh, there was a lack of clinical finishing on the edges, unfortunately, and also uh, he got a little bit over-eager, I think, at times to force the offload. Uh, there was one period of play where actually led to a try, did it not, where we went, uh, Quentin Gufferson made the line break, flicked the offload line to his right, got intercepted, and then uh, Ice gave away a penalty in the play of the ball, which then led to a try down the left edge, down our left edge, where uh, we had the uh, makeshift center wing pairing. But yeah, I, I did like seeing Gufferson with a bit more energy, um, which was really nice to see. Um, I thought Will Penasini, not outstanding, but you know for a second game in the NRL, scoring his first try, I thought he was very good in general. Um, defensively, the that edge didn't have any issues, did it? I, I can't think of anything throughout the course of that game that really stood out. I think there was a couple of times that the... Um there was a threat of making a break in, down that in, edge. In that, but, in that late, late uh, in the second half when the Cowboys well. were on a run and they had the momentum, like we had a retreating defensive line, there was that line break where Mitchell Moses uh, rushed out uh, that led to the hooker, that's uh, Jack Granville. Uh, he's scoring, but I suppose that's more on Mitch than anything else. But for a young centre, very happy with what I saw from him there. He doesn't need to be a superstar 
two games into his NRL career. So he's just doing the little things, right? And um, he, he also had some aggressive defensive moments yeah. as well. Well, I, I thought that uh, in that regard, Murata really set the, the standard there. He was really squaring them up down that edge all night. Um, he was very aggressive and uh, he's been a little bit, sometimes he's thrown caution to the wind too much in defense, but he got it right tonight. And he was just hitting guys hard and legally, which is good. Um, and that's something one thing though, there is a lot of people from both teams on report from this game. But in saying that, I don't think there's either team has too much to worry about. Uh, no, I, I felt I, like the bunker I, was being overzealous. I, all these crushes that were not crushes. Joey Lussick put on report for a, what looked to be a pretty clean hit. It certainly wasn't late. Yeah. And may, maybe there was a, a brush of shoulder in it. I don't think he should be charged for that. Um, but uh, Sean Lane was, you know, Mr. Hyde in the first half. Uh, he had a, a minute of madness where drops the ball cold and then goes for an ill-advised charge down in our red zone leading to a repeat set, which led to a try. Uh, if it led to a try, well, then he gave he, he that was then the one that also led in the try too, uh, off the Helim uh, Lumi, the big back rower. Um, but then he turns around the second half and, has, and he, well, he scored a try in the first half and then turns around the second half some good play. So very frustrating <laughs> two halves from Sean Lane there. Uh, but maybe maybe the Sean Lane game is a microcosm of, of the, Eels. the Eels' performance yeah. tonight. Yeah. The, the you know, it, there, was, there was some good moments. There were some not so good moments. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, and this was a game where Zai Papali, only 70 metres, which is really surprising because I felt like he was involved a bit tonight. Um, he had that one great run near the try line where he just carried half the forward pack and nearly scored in the second half. But, yeah, I mean... 32-16, we let the Cowboys uh, narrow that margin somewhat in that late in that second half. We also left some points on the board. And that's pretty much what we predicted going into this, didn't we? we? We said that, you know, maybe there is a blowout score, possibly, but you can see this being a game where ideally you keep them to a, a low score, but you're probably going to have a, a 20, 30-point win with the Cowboys getting something in the vicinity of 12 to 14 points. And that's not yeah. far off. Uh, look, I think your, your comments on ice were interesting because... Um, his post-contact meters were more than half of his running meters, which probably led to that um, that idea that he ran more meters than than uh, than what it ended up showing on the stats. It was that on each of those runs, they just had a hard time pulling yeah. him down. And the Cowboys played physical tonight. They didn't they didn't shirk it in the ruck. And more to that, I thought that was Junior's, even though the numbers aren't fantastic, 103 metres off 10 runs, I thought Junior ran violently tonight. He knocked a few Cowboys over. Defensively, he smashed Ben Hampton in the first half, So, and he had some nice offloads too. So that was a, you know, it wasn't a strong return to form, but at least there were some signs of life there from Junior. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is a game where we, we had a try taken away where we could have really run away with it in the first half when... Um, it, it probably did go forwards, but it, I feel like it's a call that, that it's a pass that's let go so often when uh, Micah passed back into uh, was it Gufferson down the left edge? Uh, oh no, talking about the the pass. Oh, Wunga, from, Wunga passed. Uh, Wunga, yeah, Wunga like, like into Dylan Brown. Dylan Brown, there you go. Um, where I mean, it probably did travel forwards, but they, they that is let go so often that part that particular pass there because of all the the momentum and angles in it and whatnot. So, I mean, yeah, that that was a borderline call that went against us. Uh, I thought that... Be be honest here. When when that was called back, was your thought thought processes along the lines of, oh, here we go? 
Here we uh, go. It, it wasn't, no, I, I didn't retreat into, oh, no, this, it, it's coming, like a collapse is coming now sort of territory. I was just annoyed. No, that. no, not, not a collapse is coming, but this, there could be, this could be really, really ugly tonight. We're not going to get the the bounce of the ball or the calls or what have you. Oh, it could I, be one of those give, Given that nights. we started with a lot of energy, I wasn't that concerned yet. Um, and to our credit, we didn't go away even when the Cowboys, you know, dialed it up a few times because they had some good runs of possession and had a chance to attack us. And uh, I thought the defensive resiliency was better this week. Uh, it was far from where it could be um, when it's at its best, but at least they showed some uh, gumption on the goal line. And, you know, the Cowboys, what they ended up scoring once against the makeshift left edge on the last way around the ball, uh, once when Sean Lane uh, was caught out in the line, and then at the end when there was some second-phase play and a kick ahead for Jake Granville when Mitchell Moses uh, thought he, he saw the ball coming out the back and tried to jam hard and, and then went short and they offloaded. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you, you can't get too stoked about the win, but it is just nice to have a win, and it's it's at least something to build on. And there's going to be some more question marks over this game now because we're going to be without Micah Sebo for at least a few weeks, if not the rest of the season, which means – and I know everyone's down on Micah – and, and fair enough, but at the same time, you, you need bodies on the wing. So it'd be interesting to see what the solution is there, whether they you know put uh, Wunger out in the wing or go to Sean Russell. I know Blake Ferguson's probably back, so you can maybe put Fergo on one wing and then Hayes on the other if you have to. I don't know. There's uh, some interesting questions to be had there. But yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, what's going to be more interesting is going to be the side of the field that Fergo plays mm-hmm. Uh, relative to uh, Wonga Blake. Yeah, because so, Wonga's had a new leash of life ever since moving to the left. And, yeah. And I think you, you probably don't want to uh, impede that uh, with our, given that, you know, whether, however true it is, there was, you know, media talk about them not seeing eye to eye in terms of playing together. So you probably end up shifting Hayes Dunster to the other side um, and then keep Fergo on the right. But yeah, I, I I think you end up with, and look, if he's playing alongside uh, Will Penasini, then that's not such a, a bad thing for Hayes and Will because they are experienced at playing uh, alongside each other in the uh, New South Wales Cup. So uh, let's let's. I think that's probably the most likely scenario is that we're going to have. Blake Ferguson back next week that he'll be playing alongside um, oh sorry, no sorry I, I wanted him playing alongside um, You'd have Fergo next to Will uh, Penasini, right? Uh, yeah, 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 no I've, I've, I've flipped it the wrong way um, right. I need him playing along alongside Will and uh, I want Wonga playing alongside Hayes Dunster, so um, yeah, I whether that's going to be the case, I'm not too sure. So one one other area of concern is that this is another week with multi errors from Nathan Brown. He's uh, struggling with the ball in hand at the moment. Yeah, it was. I'm for that to happen as early as it did tonight. First, there thing. was. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> know about you. I let. I certainly let rip with an expletive yeah. as soon as it happened. Yeah, and, and to, to the boys' credit, at least they aimed up in defense and managed to go on to score the first points of the game, which was another talking point we've been banging on about, you know, making that first positive move in the context of the scoreboard. So it was nice to see us get on there. But Brownie, unfortunately, putting us under some undue pressure in this game, much like the game against Manly. Yeah, you could always forgive 
a, a handling error here or there, but when it's a multi-week stretch of critical handling errors, it's it's not good form to be carrying with you because I don't know. I mean, do you then start to get the yips a bit with your with your hands? It's I don't know. Maybe maybe Brownie Psychology somebody sports, can yeah. talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, now we've we've sort of now just touching on some of the negatives. Mm-hmm. So just in that regard, um, I looked at that and uh, uh, looking at the night uh, at the match overall tonight. What I wasn't impressed with is something that we touched on at the start of the podcast, and that was the ineffective tackles. I thought there were far too many times as especially as the match wore on, that our defence became a bit soft in terms of the contact and that there wasn't any... uh, Well, there wasn't a strong enough effort to wrap the ball up and the offloads from the Cowboys were coming far too easily and you could literally see it coming. And I know we have the benefit of, say, that with a a number of those offloads coming uh, facing the camera that you could literally see, here comes an offload. They're not wrapping him up. Here comes an offload. But it was very frustrating, and I think that is uh, an aspect of our performance that was an issue over the previous weeks, As and for mine, as much of an issue as the defensive system was the, the commitment of individuals to the tackle. We cannot afford to switch off. The storm would make mincemeat of that type of defence, and it was and it was something that tended to creep in in the latter part of the game, but it can't be allowed to creep in. So that's a that's a a big negative that I took out of the game. Um, and, and we know that teams uh, like Melbourne and Penrith will just feast on ineffective tackles. They love yeah. to either break that tackle or offload into support. So yeah, that that is a, a very fair criticism of the effort tonight. And I think part of that might have come down to you know front loading some of that defensive intensity into the first half. It felt like initially they were very suffocating in defense for the the Cowboys. They were really struggling to get any traction in the middle, and maybe that came at the expense of uh, some of the uh, hit and stick later in the game, which you know shouldn't be as much as a factor as it is sometimes. But tonight it was. Also with that defensive reshuffle, some of that stuff played into it too. Um, but that that is worth yeah, mentioning. That I was going to say, gonna say it, just seemed, it just seemed like um, there were uh, there was almost a, taken for granted. Not just the um, it wasn't just the fault of the players making the tackle, but it was almost like it was taken for granted by the rest of the defensive line that the tackle had been complete. Yes, and, yes, and that's, and, that's when and, the most dangerous offloads come when the defensive line has taken it for granted and is uh, sort of clocked off for that fraction of a second. Yeah, and the other thing too, this is on the, um, now looking at the attacking aspect of the Eels' performance, was there was a genuine lack of composure in that first half. Oh, yeah, that the got co- very true. The completion happy. rate was sitting at around 60%. It was 17 and it was, 14 at one point, yeah. It was just awful from that. Uh, so many, uh, I, I reckon there was... Um, 15 to 20 points that were left out on the field in that first half because there were moments, and I think Sean Lane typified it with that crazy <laughs> pass on oh my the 10-metre line. He poked on, his nose, he poked his nose through a line, had a, a lightning quick play the ball coming, and he's gone full Leroy Jenkins and has just flung that ball <laughs> blind to his left. 
Um, and I think Wanga, to his credit, or it might have been Micah, one of the two of them, tried to pick it up cheekily and dot it down. But obviously the officials yeah. having none of that because that ball was well forwards. Um, yeah. yeah uh, it was interesting because there was that cavalier element to our attack at times um, where, you know, it felt like we'd started confidently so we're trying to cash in on it. Like, you know, let's just try and force our luck instead of building the pressure because even then you had Mitchell Moses there finding line dropouts in the first half. It's just like, you know, just dial it back. But instead they got, you know, a little bit reckless. And you can understand there'll be, even if it's not conscious, it might have been subconscious, that element of desperation to cash in on the points when the opportunity is there because they've been so bad in that regard for a month of football now. But, you know... Yeah, um, could I, I just wanted to make a little bit of a disclaimer as well with my criticism, which is against the Roosters, that that passing and the offloading seemed to be completely aimless. And I, I was, as we were watching it, 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 my first thought was, what are you doing? What is the point here? Mm-hmm. You're just going from side to side. Whereas I could see what they were trying to construct and there was some positive about what they were trying to construct in attack where the passes were going astray. So it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't aimless. It was, it was reckless rather than aimless. It was lacking composure rather than aimless. And probably if I have to, if I had to take a choice between what they were dishing out against the Roosters in terms of shifting the ball opposed to tonight, I would take... Oh, it, it's some, a market improvement, even though it's, it's nowhere near where you want it to be to go on against the Storm and the Panthers. But at least there is an improvement there. And we're going to enter next week as uh, rabid underdogs, and deservedly so, because a win against Melbourne next week would be like, ridiculous. Uh, even considering if we were in good form, because there is no Reed Money, there is no Reagan Campbell Gillard, you'd probably get Blake Ferguson back, but now, now you lose Mike Acevo. So there's just a, a lot of outs at the moment that are hurting this team uh, from going anywhere near its peak potential. But yeah, uh, one thing I did want to talk about, and we spoke about it at length in so insofar as how hard it would be to install, is a new defensive system. And yet tonight we saw a lot more just outright slide principles in action, and it worked fairly well for the most part. So it looks like they're yeah. working pretty hard at that. Um, obviously, heavily disrupted by the injury to Marcus Evo. Uh, we had Will Smith playing center and Wanga Blake on the wing. And Wanga, again, uh, I do want to shout him out because throughout this entire month of losing football, he's been very high energy uh, and a lot of good quality in his efforts. And tonight was uh, no different. Um, you know, thrown onto the wing, a position where you want to see him showcased a little bit more in the future. Um you know, he, he wasn't outstanding, but he did a lot of hard work. Um, and he, I mean, he would have had two tries to his name if he was still playing centre, right? Because Junior Polo tipped it on to uh, Will Smith, who would have been where Wanga was in a normal game. So, yeah, he got one try, uh, a good um, chunk of metres and a whole ton of tackle breaks. So, yeah, um, this is a game, it's kind of hard to break down for me because we know what it is. It, it's not a pretty win and it's not an incredible win and, you know, yes, you're probably going to go on to have a very tough game against the Melbourne Storm, but at least they've done, they, they did something. Like they addressed some of the issues that had been hounding them for a month of football, and they didn't come good in all of it, but we, we knew that would have been to, to find the silver bullet solution after what they've been through would have been one of the most improbable turnarounds to come out and have, you know, 90% completion, score 50 points, concede less than 10 points. You know, it was never really on the cards given 
the confidence levels given the men that were unavailable and then given the actual uh, outcomes in this game too with the injuries. So, yeah, uh, I'm happy with the win. Um, I will enjoy the rest of my weekend. I've got some uh, Seahawks football to watch tomorrow with their preseason stuff, which is nice. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with, neither of us are certainly getting carried away here, aren't we? Mate, all my all I am taking from that game is they had a win. Yeah. And and it is a far better feeling than <laughs> what I've felt for the past month of football. As you said, I'll jump into my Sunday with a little bit more of a spring in the step, but by no means getting carried away. What I'm hoping is that there's a little bit of positivity that the players, that the team, mm. that the staff take out of tonight. And well, I, I think, I think. The, the, the messaging there is interesting because throughout the course of this game, the, the body language of the players was just so wildly different, wasn't it, from what we've seen? You know, there, there were moments where there was some challenges and uh, to the referee, to the bunker, and, you know, the outcome didn't favour the Eels, but they were able to have a laugh. And you know, and and sort of just see the funny side of it not coming out. Like when uh, Will Penasini's challenge went up because you know there was a millimeter in it, whether he touched it or not, and it would have been Parramatta's ball. And the scrum went to the Cowboys, but we kept our challenge, and the boys were having a laugh with Klein and whatnot. So yeah, it, it is amazing what scoring some points and just putting yourself into a contest can do for the confidence. And you know, yes, they were far from polished, and yes, it is the Cowboys who will go on to uh, a double-digit losing streak on the back of that loss. But the way we, we made a point of this, the way we've been playing entering this game, there was every chance the Cowboys would be on the other side of that 32 to 16 scoreline. Do you think it's possible that the instructions that were given to them tonight was don't stress it, boys, just go out, play uh, some football? I mean, that, that would have been indicative of what we heard earlier in the week with the extra day off or two, uh, the boys sort of changing up their accommodation and, and sort of relaxation approaches. So would not have been shocked at all if there was still uh, a clear game plan laid out. And we saw it reflected in how Mitchell Moses ran the show and even Dylan Brown's early involvement. There's a lot of Dylan Brown at first receiver um, and, and working both sides of the ruck. So uh, that that was there. But there also would have been an element of, you know, just relax a bit and if there's an opportunity, take it. Because we saw both Moses and Gufferson kick ahead early a number of times when they spotted uh, Hamasai Tabuai Fado in the defensive line. And we didn't always get the result, but we, you know, it was good, positive football. So I think that was an element of it for sure. Okay, so as we wrap things up, mate, we we take it as a win. Um, it's a given that it's a let's not get carried away with this scenario, and that the task ahead remains monumental. But hell, it's a win. Enjoy the win. Uh, enjoy the win, Eels fans out there who are. Uh, quite happy to have wins and if you don't if you're not happy to have a win give the game a rugby league away as a, as a spectator sport uh, really it's I, I don't care what sort of criticism people might say with uh, you, you know you have to put wins into perspective a win is a win in professional sport and if you don't enjoy it well as I said you give it away as a player, and if you don't enjoy it as a spectator following your team when they win, and we've seen some people on our site who've said, I hope the Eels lose, believe it or not, people who've been visiting our site, um, to those people, no, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I was going to tell them what they could do with their comments, but uh, I'll, I'll rephrase I mean, that. So uh, the, the... Hey, that's probably, <laughs> I, I probably want to wrap up what I want to say with that, and um, 
yeah, and, I mean, and we look forward to moving on to uh, next week's challenge, next week's big challenge. And don't forget, this was a game that was framed by an outsider of Parramatta, by an NRL player in George Burgess, that you know is a genuine lose-lose proposition for the blue and gold. So this was a you know a trap game coming into it, and like we said, they didn't play perfect, but they got they you know they managed to stumble over the hurdle rather than clear it perfectly, and that's that is something, and it is something they can build on. And, you know, now the focus has to be, obviously you want to beat Melbourne even with us being down on personnel, but you want to be competitive. So that's what the focus is. And they can take some of the stuff out of his game and turn that into a competitive push against the Storm. So that's the big thing. Um, Mike Cassiever injury sucks. Uh, Eel's going to have to cover that there. Um, and that'll be a focus of Teamless Tuesday, no doubt. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, Will Penasini did more than enough to retain his spot, even considering that Tom Opelchuk is out for a round or two with that rib injury. Um, yeah, we'll see uh, how that back line shakes out. I don't think there'll be too many changes in the forward pack 60s. I mean, maybe there's an argument to drop Nathan Brown to the bench, but then uh, who do you start at lock forward? No, that I don't see any changes happening either. I think that BA will leave pretty much leave a winning team alone this week. Yeah, and you sort of trust that Brown will figure his stuff out because... Even while, even though he does have the odd error in him, like most forwards, this has been an uncharacteristically poor uh, stretch of uh, discipline with the ball in hand, I suppose. So he'll he'll figure that out, and you know, on the back of the rest of the forward pack, start and pick up slack. Hopefully, we can start to compete with the big dogs like Melbourne and Penrith over the next two weeks. Mate, we can, but dream. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's it. Um, now, you said that Mitchell Moses was your three points. Do you have a two and a one on this one? Uh, look, I think, <clears throat> I think I'd think i probably give two points to Wonga Blake. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and I think this might be a bit controversial. I'm going to give uh, one point to Lussick. All right. Well, I mean, Joey, Joey did okay. Um, I thought he was one of the few eels that was – Working hard, or not few, but one of the few consistently working hard at the ball as uh, showcased by the fact he was put on report for a very benign hit on, uh, I'm not sure if it was Drinkwater or Dearden, but I think it was Dearden. So yeah, I'm, I'm not against Lassie getting one point. I think Dylan Brown could have been in the conversation too. Um, that was a, an improved performance from Dill. Um, but the three and two, I definitely I believe Murata might have been. Yeah, in the- maybe maybe I go for Murata then because I, like I, I was saying before, I love the intensity he was bringing in defense and he really set the standard on the right edge, the edge has been very troublesome for the Eels uh, throughout you know the last two years, let alone the last month of football. So yeah, uh, Will uh, Will Smith, uh, Mitchell Moses, the the clear runaway three points. And I think likewise, Wonga Blake at two. I thought he was very good, given uh, the turbulent uh, sort of situations he found himself in between centre and wing. And then I'll give my one to Murata while you give yours to Joey. Yeah, yeah. So I've I've managed to find the spine with two of the points, and as I said earlier in the in my comments, I thought the game was won in the spine. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, uh, the the, Paramount, the the difference between the Parramatta and North Queensland spines was pretty evident, wasn't it? Mitchell Moses, the best player in the park by some margin, and then the rest of the ill spine contributing a lot more than the North Queensland spine. So, yeah, that's a a nice way to sum up that game, I think. And uh, with all those warts, even so. Uh, I hope everyone found it enjoyable just to get the two points and to head into a, you know the the post match cycle, knowing that the Eels are you know back in some capacity. 
far from their best, far from where they need to be in order to make a real postseason push. But there's still two weeks to fine tune that. And you know, we, we it this this year has seen a number of teams uh, turn their fortunes around pretty rapidly after absolutely dire stretches. I mean, you look at the Manly Seagulls; they were, for all intents and purposes, going to be wooden spoon contenders, and they managed to turn it around. Uh, South Sydney had a lean stretch and have turned it into a massive winning streak. Uh, obviously, the storm, the storm, and the Panthers are probably a little bit different. Uh, but you know, Newcastle uh, absolutely lost at sea for a long stretch of this year, starting to catch fire at the right time of year. And even the Cronulla Sharks, you know, they're starting to figure themselves out a little bit uh, after a very long and inconsistent run. So, yeah, there's. Still- you didn't mention the West Tigers there. Oh well, unfortunately for the the mighty West Tigers, they do drop out of top eight contention. I believe uh, almost completely now. After well, not technically no, but yeah, they uh, got pumped by the Sharkies today. <laughs> so uh, I'm yeah. just, I'm just, I'm just amazed that they don't feature as a a team that's turned their season around. But anyway, there we go. They <laughs> might look. They might. Well, what, what, but even the, even the Canberra Raiders, right? A team that was dead to rights, and you know they're going to have to fight their way into the eighth spot on the top eight. But they're there. You know they're they're starting to. I mean they they've looking. They they obviously beat us when we were you know on a, starting to go on a downward turn. But they were competitive against Melbourne for a, a good stretch last week. They did play Melbourne last week. I'm not re- misremembering stuff. And then the uh, the yeah, game did. against Manly. Yeah, and they're still they're still down in troops and took the game to them and are are probably playing far more resilient football at this time of year than they were earlier in yeah. the year. They had more of their troops all, available. All in the space of a couple of weeks. I mean, that is what sports does, right? So that's all Paramount have to focus on. It's just, you know, they don't need to be perfect by the time the finals roll around, but they just need to be good enough. So that's what the next two weeks are about. And in a way, you couldn't ask for a better two litmus checks in the Storm and the Panthers. And you know, maybe we end up getting dusted up and, and it puts us in a bad spot. But by the same token, if we are competitive against them in these next two weeks, it then sets us up to go on an unlikely charge in the postseason. So bring it on. Yeah. Hundred percent. That's it. So, on um, that overly optimistic note, we're probably going to sign off. Um, it is nice to be able to sign off on a win. So, for everyone that has put up with that last month of football, do try and enjoy it. Um, <laughs> it's been very rough on all. Um, I don't envy any fan uh, having to go through that last month of football. But thankfully, we've got at least a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel here. And I'm I'm actually excited to take on Melbourne. It's going to be. You know, maybe may we end up getting smashed, but I am excited to take on the storm and to see what the uh, the mental resolve of the boys is after this win and whether they can turn it into something. Well, it is the next two weeks is a bit like finals football come yeah. early, and um, that means that once you throw in the first week of the finals, we'll have three weeks of finals football that we've played. Yeah, it's it's non sudden <laughs> death finals football in a way. You know, it, it's a chance yeah. to really gear up against. The two that you know you're going to have to beat if you want to get to the premiership. Because regardless yep. of what side of the bracket you're in, coming fifth or sixth or somehow finishing fourth, you know, blah, 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 you're going to have to beat the Panthers and you're going to have to beat the Storm. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And, yes, let's wrap it up there, mate. Thanks for putting up with me and my ramblings for another week. And thanks to everyone listening to both of us in our inane ramblings. And, yeah. Oh, there's be- nothing like an instant re- reaction podcast, mate, because – we might be stumbling and bumbling a little bit more well, we, for our words. We've had all these kidding. It's, it's funny. We've had all these. Yeah, we've had all these cathartic, you know, sort of pourings of the heart over the last, you know, three four weeks, and now you just have a decent win. It's kind of like 
So what do we talk about again? Like, you know, we, we got we got the win and yeah, yeah, there was some blemishes and whatnot and but you know, Mitchell Moses had a great game. So you sort of end up, you know, stumbling and bumbling about and we'll get back into we'll find our form again if the boys keep winning. So no worries about that. That's it. Hundred percent. All right. Well thank you for listening. Catch you next time in the midweek podcast uh, where we will preview our game against the Melbourne Storm. Go the Eels. <laughs>